Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Here we are at Sundance 2022, virtually, and I am John Wildman. I'm the editor-in-chief of FilmsGoneWild.com with my Bitch Talk podcast teammates, Aaron Lim and Angela Tabora. And right now, we're going to talk about the documentary Descendant, and we have our director with us, Margaret Brown. Margaret, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. We always like to start this off by having our filmmaker introduce the audience to the film because they have not seen it as yet. So tell us what Descendant is about. Well, um, Descendant is about my hometown of Mobile, Alabama, where the last slave ship was discovered two years ago. Um, although it was scuttled and burned there in 1860. And the film is a kind of a story of, of a few different sets of the descendants, um, the descendants from the Clotilda and the descendants of the people that brought them there. And, and you know, it, it's, of course, that's that's the thing that ties everything together, but it's also wonderful in how it deals with environmental racism and uh, and, and other aspects, which I found uh, fascinating uh, myself because I live in South Dallas, um, oh. which is got which is chock full of environmental right. racism, um, yeah. and, and so I know the struggle very much um, from from how uh, my wife and I have have dealt with it and worked with it here. So I was very enthusiastic to to see. Um, which we don't often see uh, civic politics in uh, in action in the film, yeah. and 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 I know that I I, I know uh, um, um, we're going to get into um, the historical aspect of this and what that meant to the community. But I would love to actually start off with that and and and, and talk about you know your approach to filming that because let's face it, sometimes that can be really dry to watch. But you tied it in so nicely into the lifeblood of, of this film. Well, one thing that's really interesting about Africatown is that 2000 people live there and there. I don't know if you noticed at the end of the film, how many how many activist groups are in Africatown? There's two environmental groups. I mean, in, there are 2000 people there. I mean, people come from other parts of the city, but it's not like a giant community. And one thing that really struck me when I first started filming for this film, because I actually made another film um, 15 years ago that was also sort of about the Clotilda, a different, it's, it's, this is in a weird way a part two, but the films were very different. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like, wow, like the, and it's a very like elderly community. I mean, there are children there, like um, there are young families there, you know, but it, I was just like, all these like septuagenarians are very active with like politics, you know, <laughs> they really care. And it was, it was very striking. I felt like I went to more, you know, activist meetings and community meetings in Africa town than I did in the whole rest of the city and the rest of my life combined. And that was very inspiring. So, I mean, you know, um, Ramsey Sprague, um, the native, um, the native organizer who moves to Africa. I mean, his story is not really in the movie because the movie's more focused on the descendants, but he, he basically moved to Mobile to, to help with, you know, their struggle. And, um, 
you know, it, it, I think there's a lot of passion around what Africatown means and could mean. So I think people are really drawn to that. Yeah. And, and on the topic of that struggle, just first, thank you for this very powerful and moving film. Um, and we, we're obviously going through this range of emotions with the descendants, rightfully so. But I'm also interested in, in your own emo- emotional journey in creating this film as a Native uh, and, and coming to terms with your homeland's past. Sure. I mean, well, I feel like as a, a white person who grew up in the South, like I... I feel like um, it's really tricky to make a movie like this. When I first started it, I thought it would be like Order of Myths, the film I made that's sort of a precursor to this film. I always describe that as a film that's sort of like white anthropology, like looking at what whiteness looks like. And I thought that um, this film would be more like that because Helen Mayer, the mayor, one of the mayor descendants is in that film. She traveled with, she went to Sundance with the film. She traveled around the world with the film. And um, and she spoke to classrooms of children about what it's like very bravely, like what it's like to be from a family that has a slave owning past and not just a slave owning past, but a slaver past, like people who literally transported slaves. And she talked about it very openly and very honestly. And I was sort of like, wow, like I don't in the South, you often see there's a lot of shame and denial around this. So I was kind of like, she's. I was impressed, to be honest. Like I was like, um, she's owning it, you know. She's she's talking about it very openly in front of children, and not shying away from truth. And so I was very surprised. And the Mayer family has a has a, um, a history of silence around the Clotilda. I thought, oh, certainly she traveled to Ireland with me and spoke so eloquently. She'll do this film, but I was wrong. And so from the get go, you know, but all these other people, you know. Um, I just thought like, oh, I can I, I very much hubris on my part that I thought I could get her to talk to me, that she would surely our friendship would she would talk about this. But I, I thought it was obviously some kind of I mean, I don't know what it is, but they don't talk to anybody about this. So um, so I, so from the get go, I wasn't really able to get another the other like side to the story, as it will. But as the film progressed, I, I stopped thinking it was very important because it became very clear to me. It's the story of of the community of Africatown and their beauty and their eloquence and their struggle. And that's the story. It's, it, we don't need, we don't need the other side. We can see the other side. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't, you know, everyone talks about balance and documentary. I don't think it has to be balanced in that way. You know, that's not to me, like if the other side is in denial, is that really balanced anyway? So, um, so I'm very happy with how it turned out, even though all throughout, I was like, a white person telling a story about black people. This is not what I thought I would be doing. This is, it's just like the, you know, these deep questions of like, am I even doing the right thing? Um, So, you know, I kept on regardless because I did think because of my ties to the place and my history in the community that I had a right to tell the story or one of the stories about Africatown. I certainly don't think my story is the only story, but a story in a long history of, you know, of the struggle, I guess. Uh, I'm going to jump in and say, Margaret, you are the right person to tell the story as a white woman. Um, Angie and I had an anti-racist educator on a month ago or so, and she's a white woman. And I had asked her, do you think it's up to white people to actually be the, um, 
the fighters in this fight of anti-racism, are they the leaders? And she's like, yeah. So you're doing what you're supposed to be doing with this film. I, I believe. Um, and from what she said, she's an educator. She knows everything. Um, but I, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she knows what she's talking about. Um, you talked about Ramsey Sprague. Um, can you talk about Kamal, the Marine archeologist? I really loved yeah. him and his story and he's just so gentle. Well, it's so funny. I almost said something, but right when you guys started talking, I looked at my phone and he was calling me. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> he can join in. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's, it was, a, it was a few minutes ago, but, um, but yeah, he's, I love him so much. Like he, um, he's also, um, he's, he's a yoga teacher too, and he's six foot six. So to watch him do yoga, it's like no matter what, anyway, he's such a graceful, beautiful man inside and out. But, um, but yeah, I know he spoke like four years ago, very early on in the film. And I was just like, wow, the power of this person, he has to be in the movie. Um, so I basically harangued him until he agreed to, <laughs> Got it. So, yeah. And, um, and he adds so much. I mean, he has the, he has just such a, I just feel like I was, I'm so blessed that these people shared their story with me. And, and he is just, I remember, I remember where I was, I was like sitting on my porch in LA and, um, and, and he, I was, he was telling me about um, what it's like to work on these ships and the emotions that, that come of this work. And I was just like, if he could communicate this to a broad audience, like how powerful is this narrative? I, it was so moving. I was like quietly crying while he was talking to me. And then like, he didn't return my calls for like six months. <laughs> so <it> was, <laughs> and I was just like, what do I have to do? You know, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it was just one of those things where you just have to keep just trying to get the people you believe are the right people to tell the story. You just have to keep at them. So, and now we're friends. I'm so happy. He's my friend. <laughs> Honored. <laughs> I would love for you to, to talk about um, the process of, trying to make sure you didn't have a five or six hour long movie here um, because you have so many people um, yeah. in this community and with, with, and that, that are involved in different aspects of this that all deserve their camera time, that all deserve to have their voices heard. And yeah. you, you know, and then you, you wind up in the editing bay with hours and hours of footage and you have to figure out, well, how, when, when do I precisely do this? So talk about that editing process because, you know, again, yeah. it's something that I respect immensely when I see a film like this, because I go, holy crap, there's a lot of information. And yet I'm, I'm right here along for the ride. I'm not getting bored in the least. And, um, and, and I'm also um, just like the gentleman we, we just talked about, um, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the woman who at one point goes, you know something, I don't even care if they find this ship. And then when yeah. they do, she couldn't be more enthusiastic than anybody else, right? Right. And, and, and those moments, please talk about that. Sure. I mean, well, with that, with Joycelyn specifically, like she, I think she saw the power of the artifact to help preserve the story and spread the story. And so 
it's where she's coming from. It's like, she sees the community around her. She sees her, her, the people she grew up with, um, her family, and she sees like them being systematically ignored. And she, you know, she has, she had cancer from, you know, arguably from like the chemical factories, like the scene where she talks about fanning away the stuff that's toxic. Like they didn't know what it was as a child, like things like that. Um, so I, I think like, um, you know, um, I, I, I think like she, was just like, look, look at this place, like, look at what we need, the ship, whatever, like, you know, National Geographic is going to come in and they did find the ship. She feels the power of what that means and like what it's going to do. And then the rest of the film is about seeing what happens with that power and like the decision points the city has then, the decision points the community has then, how are they going to control the narrative. What are the, what is the city going to do to help them or hurt them? Like, these are the questions I think we're left with when you're talking about a film about civics, like, you know, the city has a lot of power to make the wrong or right decision, work against or for the community. Like when, when Vita says, I don't want to be a part of it, I want to be it. And who are her allies and who are her enemies? So those, that's sort of what I think, like, what I want people to be left with is like, how do you be an ally to that? How do you be that? And those are the things we talked about as a crew. How do we, how do we get there to where people at the end, when Anderson says toward the end, like um, when he's at EJI, well, there's a, there's a scene in the film. I should I haven't done press that long, so Rusty. Um, but when you know, there's a character in the film who says, you know, when they're when they're at the lynching memorial in Montgomery, and he's there visiting to see the to see. It's very powerful. We don't show it because they don't allow cameras in there, and. Um, and he says, and he looks at people as they're leaving and he says, um, you know, going to a museum, it can be like a blip in your life, but what do you do with this knowledge? What do you do when you leave? And I think that to me, that's like really the film. What you, now you know all this, now what do you do? Right. And that is a major part of, a major theme for this film is the importance of telling stories and continuing to tell these stories. And I want to thank you for introducing me to Zora Neale Hurston, who is yeah. the first black female fil filmmaker. And you quote her book, Barracoon, throughout the film. And I, I wanted to know about your decision to kind of make that the, the common thread throughout. Sure. Um, well, very early on, I was very inspired by Zora Neale Hurston. I have been for a long time. Um, my co-writer, um, Kern Jackson, um, the folklorist in the film, he kind of came up like sort of studying her practices as he became a folklorist, like how she, like those tapes that he shows, shares with us in the film, um, those are things that like he recorded 25 years ago for his PhD. And, um, and his PhD was about Africatown. So, um, so, you know, we have some very recent, like, you know, like uh, tapes from his like folklore. I forget what he calls it. He has a word for what he calls, um, and it's a different word than he used in documentaries. But it's like when I first heard him say it, it was. It sounds like something out of a spy movie. I can't. I cannot remember the word. But the way <laughs> you talk. Oh, an informant is what you call someone when you're a folklorist and you're getting them to talk about. You know. Um, stories of their family it's called an informant and I, what are you even talking about an informant like where this is not a movie about the fbi but <laughs> now i understand what he means. yeah well I, you know i uh i think it's an appropriate way to actually uh in the interview because the the film informs us quite a bit um and again not simply on just the historical note and and the accomplishment of of finally finding concrete proof that 
uh, this ship existed, that, this, that the stories weren't just mythologies, that, that it actually uh, happened, but also to tie it in to the real context of what happens with local communities and, you know, and, and, and being able to, to give them, um, you know, kind of like their own fighting spirit um, to, you know, to, to, to champion their own causes. Uh, it's really uh, quite the film. Uh, again, the title of the film is Descendant, which is screening at the 2022 Virtual Sundance. And we've been talking to Margaret Brown, the director. Margaret, it's been great talk talking to you about this film. It's been, it's been really great talking to you all too. Thank you so much. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. is a proud member of the BFF.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.